every man's life ends the same way. It's only the details of how we lived and how he died that distinguishes one man from another. Ernest Hemingway. He's kind of crazy. She's a lady. All right. Still, still can't do the music too cheery. Um, sorry, everyone. I don't really feel like talking that much. Um, but it's okay because I've found, I've found in myself that I can still read and I can still write. And that is the only voice that I have left. And it's getting tired, but it still exists. So let's go. I saw death approaching from the horizon. I knew that I must hurry. For if the winds did not pick up before I knew it, it would be upon me and my vessel. And so I worked day and night writing my story in hopes that if I never got to see my love again, that that story might one day make its way to her and the life we never got to finish would live forever on page and in ink. It had been more days than I can remember since I'd left port and last seen my love. Tiffany was at home, and my journey had never felt longer, knowing that I was worlds away. Neither of us anticipated storms had been making this trip like my father had before me and his father before him. Every man in the village, the sea gave us life, and in return, every few years, we offered up one or two young men to the sea, a tragic price for prosperity. I was first mate of a crew that was small but mighty. We had sailed many nautical miles and found ourselves in familiar waters, the kind no one recognized, and yet it's the unknown that feels most familiar to men like us. The first week, with no wind to our back, we made great haste towards the horizon, racing the sun each day and strolling with the moon like partners of a graceful waltz. The fish were plenty, and bellies were full. The men could not be livelier. Each night, old Ron would play a fiddle, and we'd sing sea shanties and drink rum into the night, sharing stories of adventures and dreaming of our women back home. Captain Nicky was a good captain, tried and true, who truly cared for her ship and crew. Standing on deck, her long red hair often looked like flames reflecting in the noonday sun. We performed our duties daily, and we thought nothing water, grave, which stayed apart from only by the distance of one small wooden ship. The second week, or perhaps it was eighteen days, the crew was operating like clockwork. The sails were capturing all the wind, and the speed was on our side. The sun hung above us less than it had, even a few days earlier. But with plenty of food and water, our spirits were as nourished as our bodies felt. It was after our midday meal that I decided to take a stroll along the deck, looking out at the barren world of water that was our home and captive. A land of pure mystery, giving no visual indication of where we were in the world, until it felt the day it would grant us sight of land. The rays of the sun warmed my forehead, causing sweat to drip down my face. I leaned over the side of the ship. I hoped the breeze coming off the water would cool me. As I peered into the wavering blue-green, the sun cut my shadow out of the water, and then I noticed something peculiar. It was not just my shadow, but the shadow of a second. I quickly looked up, but saw no one by my side. I scanned the deck, and all our crew were manning their stations. 
Perhaps it was exhaustion that is setting in. I peered over the side once more and again saw the shadow, smaller than mine, standing next to me on the left, then floating to the right. I leaned further in to examine it closer and hold it right up in my face, splashing in water as if someone or something had leapt right at me. The salt water and surprise blinded me momentarily. I fell back and wiped the brine from my face, not quite sure of what had just happened. Perhaps a large fish. We have traveled further than ever before. Surely there are many unknown creatures these distant seas have to offer. Leaning over a third time, I was disappointed to find that my shadow stood alone. I waited to see if perhaps whatever had been there might have been frightened, but may regain its curiosity. Still, nothing. No bother. Sailors dream, and we have encountered many strange things on the seas, most of which were probably products of our own minds, missing their wives. It had been many days, and excitement started to wane as frustration crept in. We had never been this long before reaching our destination. It's not uncommon for a ship to be delayed by weather or other occurrences. We'd most likely be there soon. Still, our expectations to have already arrived were met with disappointment of missing our goal. More days passed, and still no land. There was now talk amongst the crew, low-volume mumbling, not intended for ears like mine or the captain. Morning salutations diminished into the morning stares of men questioning our judgment. Tasks were carried out and duties performed, but there was no longer revelry in the evenings once the workday was done. Food started to run low. This made the men angry. Cross-eyed Danny had to lock up Billy Dagger for three days, while his spirits cooled over the spat he had with another over the last piece of hardtack. Too many days had passed now, and I was becoming nervous, though I never allowed anyone to see, especially not Captain Nicky. Looks like storms be in the future, said Captain Nicky. Coverage is too low, too wind charred around, I asked. We can batten down and pass through. Shouldn't be more than a night. The prospects of another storm was dampening my already depressed spirits. But this far into our journey, what else could we do? Try to sail around? A storm whose edges? We knew not where they were. Could add far too long to a trip that had already stretched to the point of our nerves. The men had just finished eating when the first raindrops started to fall. Dow's canvas yelled one of the men. Everyone scurried to remove the sails in short order. Heading in faster than planned, said Captain Nicky. Aye, I responded. Could be more dangerous than it first seemed. I trusted the command of Captain Nicky, who had commanded the nautical twilight for eight journeys now, and had never failed to return me to my love at the end. Tiffany, my sweetest, whose long black hair and dark blue eyes were like the blanket of night that comforted even my waking hours with the peace of a quiet night crack. Thunder and lightning boomed, and the men started to struggle to keep our ship together. Might have to put her in irons, said Captain Nicky, though I could barely hear her over the gales that blew between us. What? I yelled. There was no chance she heard the noise from my mouth. She must have read my lips. Irons. We'll put her in irons. My heart sank. That was a risky maneuver. One that recovered minimal control of the ship that's battling the elements. Had we already found ourselves facing such great peril that the captain would concede to such a perilous maneuver. 
the first mate, me, I made my way down the stairs to join the fellow crew members who were tying down the long guns. Water covered the deck, and as I took one step on a puddle, misfortune pushed my back, cascading into an uncontrollable sprint, sending me straight to the side of the ship. I felt my waist smash into the railing, the upper portion of my body still moving with the full force of running, even as my legs found themselves obstructed by the deck rail. In an instant, the surface of the sea, which had been a world apart from the safety of the ship, looked to be approaching very quickly. I saw the dark and now ominous mass coming towards my face, and then, only in the split second, realized that it was I, in fact, that was going towards it, closer and closer, until, with a jerk, I stopped, hovering above what I was grateful for the moment would not be my final resting place, at least not for now. Got you, Ronnie, said. His muscular arms grabbed the back of my shirt and leg, like a vice attaching me to the possibility of living. He pulled me up and stared down at the sea that grew smaller again. My gaze was both a question and answer, wondering why the thing I loved could be such a cruel master. While it gave life, it also had the potential to take it. Right before I fully righted, a black shadow on the surface that looked as if someone had fallen overboard. It was strange to see such a dark shadow figure, for it was dark and stormy already, and the water was so far shaded that the shadow, being entirely black, was also bright, almost illuminated, like it was providing its own source of light. Crack, lightning struck, and the familiar sound of glittering wood could be heard. The mask, cried one of the crewmen. A long, low, elongated, rumbling sound as the towering mast fell in both an instant and eternity. Several of the men that were tying down the mainsails were flung into the air and out of the sea, like boulders from a trebuchet. Yells as the crew tried to keep more men from being lost while weathering the storm that we were all at the mercy of. And then it stopped. I don't remember what happened next. It's been far too many days. The last memory I can place in time is that eight days ago I was forced to cast the body of my best friend Danny into the ocean. The warm sun and the salty air are not kind to the corpse, and though I'd hoped that I would be able to return him home, one man cannot effectively sail a ship that has been designed for a whole crew. It's been lonely. Everyone was lost in the storm, most disappearing into the night, and the few that managed to stay on board succumbing to their wounds within hours after our battle with the elements. I don't know if it's a miracle or a curse that I survived. For now, I'm all alone, and not sure if I will reach home in time. And so I'm writing this book for my love. A book about a prince and a princess, mystical lands, and magical dragons. A poem of our love. A tome of our lives. I still hope to see her again, but as determined as I am to endure, I'm even far more certain that I can finish the book, for all I have to do these days is sail and write and imagine. I think it was two days ago when I first saw the black ship. I couldn't tell that it was another ship. The horizon and the sea have been known to play tricks on the eyes of men, desperate men especially. While doing my best to navigate west, I spied in the setting sun a small break to the perfect flat of the ever-present horizon, a small upright figure, at least a week's sail if they were both going the same direction, I thought. Little of it 
Perhaps I could go and meet it, but if it was sailing east, it would be far longer than a week that I would be able to intercept it at all, given my lack of crew. No, I'll continue west to see my wife and write my tale. Yesterday, I woke to a shocking sight. A ship that I had not even been certain if it was a ship, it was most definitely a ship. The unmistakable outline of a seafaring vessel that was spotted in the same direction now appearing to be only four days sail. It was approaching and gaining speed. It must be fast. Ship with a mighty crew. But now they could likely see me and my excitement that they might be friendly and take me in far outweighed my fears I might have never under had under normal circumstances. I awoke this morning alone like I've awakened every morning, but this time even more alone than being by myself. The ship that once I had seen behind me seemed to be gone, vanished from the face of the ocean. Had I dreamed it? Was it a construct of a desperate brain, unwilling to let the rest of my mind succumb to what I fear might ultimately become my fate? No bother. I'll continue to sail, and I'll continue to write my book and hope that I will once again see my love. It's back. The ship is back. It looks to be only two days' sail. Perhaps there has been a fog that I could not see through. The ocean is full of illusions. Only the mind contains more. Though seeing it closer, I could now make out more details. It does not fly the Jolly Roger, though I have no idea where I am, and it could be a ship from any number of lands that I'm not familiar with. Nevertheless, my options are limited, and as a man alone on the sea is a special kind of alone. One day away, it is. Seems like it might not even have been a full day. The speed which the ship carries its chase, it seems to me to grow larger by the minute. The air is cool today. The sun is shining, and yet maybe it is my blood that runs cold. The ship is made of a dark-colored wood, and even as it approaches, still looks like a shadow with far fewer details visible. Part of me no longer wants to be found. What reason would they have to help me? No doubt they would most likely scavenge my ship and take the remaining supplies I have. They're clearly on a journey, and I see no reason how my desire to return home could possibly worth the detour from what place they're trying to get to. How easy it would be for them to ram me or cut my throat and throw me overboard, returning to their homes and no one would ever be the wiser. I must be rid of my pursuer. I shall raise what is left of my sail, and hopefully I'm not so far away from land as I fear I might be. In the last few hours, it's as if the wind could not blow my vessel and is completely focused behind the sails of my pursuer. The mystery ship is a mere rowboat's ride across a small pond, and it grows larger minute by minute. Even though my cracked spyglass, I have not been able to see any crew to give me a hint of who was on the ship. I feel that us meeting is no longer just an option, but an inevitability that I hope is beneficial, and yet my mind cannot seem as hopeful. It is here, the ship is here, I can feel the size sending ripples through the water, shaking my own ship, which I thought was large. Even looking ahead, I can hear behind as the great ship is overtaking me. I close my eyes and can feel the imaginary sensation of it slamming into my sinking ship, unaware that I was even here. I turn for the first time to face it. My gut is tight with every nerve 
nervous feeling contained like I fed on nothing but anxiety. I look up and I see nothing. I see the ship, but there is no crew, no captain. And even as a superstitious sailor might imagine, no ghosts, no mythological creatures, it is an empty ship, as if manned by the spirit of sailing itself. It overtakes the starboard side, blocking out the sun. It casts night over me, alone. And as it pulls up alongside, it seems slow, allowing me to keep pace. We are now side by side. I rush over and I look up to see, calling out, Hello, hello, is anybody there? And I'm answered by my own thoughts of how cruel it is that I could be present with everything I could ever want. And when I find it, I'm still alone. I call out again and still nothing. A rope comes flying over the side of the towering vessel, an offering perhaps? In my sea madness, I have become skeptical, and yet it looks as if maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this will be my salvation, and the rope is not just a rope, but a branch. I quickly climb the rope. My arms are tired, but motivated by the hope that at the top of the destination might be a smiling face and a warm meal. As I reach the top of the deck, my skinny arms pulled up my worn body, and I look around. There is no one. I'm still alone. Hello? I call out one final time in vain, but my eyes answer the question before my ears can hear it. There is no one. I decide that I shall take the ship. It will be difficult to sail alone, but the problem of having too much ship is far superior challenge to my former plight, which was not having enough ship left. I turn to head back to my old ship one last time to grab my things, which really is just my book that I'm writing, but wait. As I look over the deck, my ship is gone, banished as if it had not been there. I run to the other side of the boat, wondering if my mind is playing one final trick on me, confusing me about where I came from, and still, there is no sign of my ship. How can this be? Even if my ship was to sink, it would take far longer than the minute it took me to climb the rope. There is no rope. I find myself more afraid now than if there had been pirates or worse on this mystery ship. Where am I? What happened to the crew? What happened to my vessel? How did it vanish? I find myself alone, even more alone than previous feelings I had. How can a person find themselves even more solitary than being a sole individual with only themselves as company? I hope my book is finished enough, wherever it is. There's still a small chance that maybe, wherever my ship went, that it will find its way back to land before time takes it down to the bottom of the ocean. And that's when I realize that I didn't just arrive on this ship. This is Death's Freighter, and I've been here for a while. The trick that my mind played was that I could still possibly be on my own ship. When I've been here for longer than I have known. And so I did the only thing that I knew to do. I went to the cabin and found some paper and started to find a new, write a new book, a brand new tale that I hope one day will be read by my love if she ever finds herself on this ship with me. But until then, I'll do the only thing I know how to do. I'll write my book and continue to sail. All right, um, that's it. We'll, we'll see if I'm back next week, probably. 
because I am. I'm keeping it together enough to know that uh, I need to do these and not just keep keep writing. Keep writing until I die. All right. Well, we'll see you down the road and Excelsior. He's kind of crazy.